0: It's time, it's time, time, time to get in the zone, time to get in the zone with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. We are 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sackle, I'm with Brian Reddick, and our guest today has been covering the NFL for 25 years. He is the secretary Ooh. and treasurer of the Pro Football Writers of America. He is an AP voter. He is a Hall of Fame selector, and you can currently find him on The Athletic. He is the one and only Mike Sando. Mike, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for that introduction. I, my first year as a beat reporter was 1998. I was covering the Seahawks. I believe the second year, after the second year, 99, I went down to Candlestick Park for the playoff game against the Packers because we got wind. The Seahawks might be hiring Mike Holmgren and the Packers were playing oh. down there. I was actually standing on the sideline when Steve Young connected with Terrell Owens to win that game. Awesome. How one was one that? of the, the great moments. Two. Yeah. The one, the catch two right at the end of the game. Yeah. So I grew up in the Sacramento area, went to, you know, been to oh. Candlestick Park. I, I Candlestick Park in the eighties, you know, so uh have some history that way with the 49ers covering the Seahawks all those years certainly and uh yeah. we got another one this weekend so glad to be here Mike I, I in- live
2: oh, I was I say, I live in the Sacramento area what high school did you go to
1: I went to Mariloma High School class oh, okay. of 1988 cool. how about you uh I was at Del Oro High School in oh yeah Del Oro we played a yeah. uh, I think Del Oro yeah I thought we played a basketball tournament there or not but yep yeah what, te- yeah. what team did you grow up being a fan of Mike Well, really early on, 70s, I kind of was a Rams fan. I liked that 79 team that went to the Super Bowl. And then I kind of transitioned a little bit to to the Raiders. By the time I got to the early 80s, I was definitely Raiders. And then all the way through, uh, in fact, I had season tickets for a few years, 95, 96, 97. And then I got uh, hired to cover the Seahawks, which is funny. They were in the division. I was a diehard Raider fan. And never could have imagined that uh, I would stop being a fan. But when I started covering, you know, your just whole orientation changes. So I have great memories of the teams that i followed. But I haven't been a Raiders fan since I left. So uh, now I'm just a fan of, uh, you know, getting to do what I get to do. That's awesome.
0: Like, there's so much we want to ask you. But I, but I wanted to start with the Hall of Fame. Um, and in particular, Patrick Willis. And if you can kind of see yeah. behind my shoulder here, I got to go which way. You gonna have a yeah. Willis, Willis jersey hanging up there. So I'm, I'm Yeah, definitely a, great player. Willis is my guy. Um, but, you know, I spoke with Clark Judge a few years ago on the show, and we kind of like did a lot on the Hall of Fame. And he told me that one of the things he looks for is if the player dominated his position, his era, if he was one of the yeah. top one or two guys. And you look at Willis, he was a five-time first-team All-Pro in seven full seasons. He was yeah. a seven-time Pro Bowler. He was Defensive Rookie of the Year what are your thoughts on his candidacy and his chances of getting in this year or maybe next yeah,
1: year? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as far as this year, so we get five slots, right. For the 15 modern era. So really you then have to ask yourself, is there anyone who's just an automatic going to go in? Cause every, for every one of those, then there's one fewer slot, right? So I would say this mm-hmm. year, Joe Thomas, I would be very surprised if he didn't just skate right in. I probably think it'll be that way for uh, Darrell Rivas as well. Mm-hmm. We never know. Sometimes there's surprises. I even thought last year, DeMarcus Ware might be a first ballot guy. He wasn't. So, I'm not saying any of that's set in stone. All this has to be discussed. Weird things can happen. They can go in different directions. As I've said before, when you have 15 candidates and five slots, there's 3,000 unique combinations of five possible, right? So we don't know what it's going to be. But right. I would say there's probably, let's just say there's three spots available this year. Uh, is Patrick Wills going to be one of them? I got no freaking idea. Uh, I think he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, though. I do think he's going to go in the at Hall At some of point, Fame. sure. yeah. And there's some wild card guys like uh, Devin Hester's a little bit of a different candidate uh, because, you know, the impact of special teams is a little different. You look at his total number of touchdowns, not that many. But every week, he's one of the top two game plan considerations for every team they played, right? So that's a little bit of a hard one, right? I mean, is he going to go? He should go right in if we're talking about the best returners ever. He'd be first ballot, but that's a right. little bit of a weird one. I think the receiver thing is always fraught when you have multiple. There's, there's three really good ones that have been in that room before. Is there a log jam broken? We're sort of where we were years ago when it was Chris Carter and uh, Andre Reed and Tim Brown. They were all going to get in, but they're sort of log jamming at the at the funnel, right? And I feel like that's where we've been with Andre Johnson, with Reggie Wayne, with Tory Holt. They're all going in, yeah. but they can kind of siphon votes off each other. Because when you get down to that final five, you may only pick one of them. And I may pick yeah. one and you may pick one other. But one of them's going in. It's just when is it going to be this year? So that makes it really unpredictable. Really good pass rushers with, with Dwight Freeney joining the mix with DeMarcus Ware, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. I think there's good competition this year. I think this year is a stiffer field of competition, it feels like, than it was last year. What does that mean for Patrick Willis? I don't know. He has to compete against Zach uh, Thomas, right? So there's right. two guys a, at a position. There could be, even if I, like, I would think that Patrick Willis would have more of the votes, but if 25% of people like Zach Thomas better, that complicates the ability of Willis to make it in, in any given year in a competitive field, right? It doesn't mean that people don't, it doesn't mean that three-fourths of the voters don't think he's a Hall of Famer. They might. But there's all these different combinations that make it really, really hard uh, to predict. And then, um, sorry, Brian, I was just going to ask
2: ask if his longevity hurts him at all. I
1: I think it would probably be better for him if he had three more years, you know, and had the ten years. I don't think it's so abbreviated that it's a huge hurdle. I think it's a little like like when you're when you're doing something like this that's so difficult with so many great players. You, you do sometimes with each one, you want to see the car in the in the light to see where the, the nick is, right? In the paint. You're looking for nicks and paints on Ferraris. That's what we're doing, right? There, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Ferraris here and they're all great and you'd love to own any of them, but you can only pick five. So you go around and you're like, Yeah, only seven years, you know, or whatever. You you try to find the one thing because you have to justify in your mind how you're going to leave somebody off in this field, even though you think they're a Hall of Famer. So it's probably the one thing that, uh, you know, could be a little better, but I don't think it's a big – I don't think it's a deal breaker
0: for people. I do have to ask, I guess, one more name that would pop in my head is what do you think the issue was with Roger Craig? That gave people pause. With. Yeah, that's a great.
1: So Roger Craig breaks the mold a little bit of running backs. I think that uh, for most of the running backs that get in the Hall of Fame, there's a certain spot they are in the all-time rushing list, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think when you're when you're talking about candidates that are a little bit different, you have to be especially skilled in how you uh, talk about them. And I'm not look, I don't even. I don't, i'm not saying it wasn't a skilled presentation on roger craig that's not at all it takes mm-hmm. it to put it this way it takes probably the membership or the whatever the selector panel um longer to probably be able to to conceive of where they of where they are in the mix right if you're the if you retired as the all-time rushing leader that's pretty easy when Emmitt smith got in the person just said Emmett Smith and sat down, right? They said Emmett Smith had more carries for more yards and more touchdowns than anyone. Any questions? So with Roger Craig, you really have to contextualize uh, that. And so that's one of the things that I did uh, this last offseason going into the year was I tried to come up with a way to properly evaluate the running backs and take into account what they did catching the ball. I took the top 100 leaders in all-time rushing because I thought it was important that you at least be one of the best rushers of all time. And that was a way to do it. But then what I did for those players was I took where they kind of basically ranked in scrimmage yards in their, I think their six best seasons. I did this something similar for wide receivers who made it eight seasons. I made it six for running backs after looking at how long they actually play. Right. There's a, there's a smaller number window. And in that Roger Craig came out really good. Um, I think believe he was in the top 20 of all of, all the guys. What makes a, a running back a Hall of Famer? Because Ricky is another great player, right? Who yeah. also was yeah, a great a all-around taste. player, uh, but then you know, sort of had a, I think, an unfair reputation as a player. He, was, he could be a little bit of a, uh, you know, hothead's probably a pejorative term, but he was emotional, and sometimes Ricky would just kind of lose it, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And he had the for who for what game, and people perceived him as a selfish player. This guy was not a selfish player. Oh, he's so good, laid it all on the line. Great player. <laughs> I mean, he, he's the type of guy you want in your team to, to just sort of like in the old parlance of you want to go to battle with or whatever. He's all in, right? Completely um, an all-in player. So when I did the scrimmage yard percentile, okay, uh, Jim Brown was number one. He actually led the league six times in scrimmage yards, So he's, he gets a 1.00, right? Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, Thurman Thomas was next. Marshall Falk was next because those guys had that scrimmage yard. That's what I wanted to take into account. Adrian Peterson, Ladanian Tomlinson, Emmitt Smith, O.J. Simpson were the top 10, okay? LaShawn McCoy, Tiki Barber, Curtis Martin, Ricky Waters, Tony Dorsett, Clinton Portis, Edrin James, Marcus Allen, Matt Forte, Otis Anderson was 20, and Roger Craig was 21. All right. So, Anderson. Wow. Yeah. Yes. You wouldn't think of Otis Anderson, you know, as much people wouldn't nowadays. Otis Anderson with two T's. Look him up on YouTube. Second like player. <laughs> but uh, the issue, the thing that knocked down Craig from being even higher was that he had about five great years of that. So he had five. His sixth year drags him down. Mm. Like all of the guys in about the top seventeen are pretty darn good through six years by this measure. So mm. if we just did a five-year window for uh, uh, Roger Craig is bumping up probably his sixth year kind of dragged him down. So that's how I did it. I think he's definitely in the mix. Joe Perry was a few spots lower than that. You know, another 49ers all time great, but um, certainly he's in the mix. Craig is.
2: Awesome, Mike. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you are, uh, or at least we like to think that you are the king of the QB tiers. Um, and you know, I listen every year. You have that uh, episode with Robert Mays on the Athletic Football Show where you guys go over those tiers. And uh, we want to look at the at the playoffs and and just kind of can you talk a little bit about uh, what Brock Purdy has done, uh, to explode on the scene and 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 where you think he ranks. Uh, as far as the QBs, at least in the NFC side, because obviously the AFC, you know, you've got some heavy hitters. Uh, yeah, at, at least
1: in those top four. Uh, as far as Brock Purdy, I just finished uh, recording uh, the Football Gym podcast with Randy Mueller uh, that I do every week on the Athletic Football Show feed, and Randy has looked looked at all the film on all of these young quarterbacks that are in the uh, that are in the playoffs, from from Brock Purdy to Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence. Daniel Jones, even Skyder Thompson is in there. Uh, and the, the thing that Randy really noticed about uh, Brock Purdy was that uh, Kyle Shannon has not changed the offense for him. That's really right. the test uh, when you talk about quarterbacks, right? Every quarterback sort of either limits you or expands you in what you can do, right? And in the big picture conversation of Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers kind of wanted to expand it a little more, right? Because they, they they thought it's good, but hey, could we get, could we even have another gear? But with Purdy coming in, uh, it doesn't look like we've seen Shanahan have to really limit what he wants to do. And then we also haven't seen him kind of melt down or have the situations. That was, uh, I thought, a great point that Randy made when we were talking. Was like late in the down, he doesn't, ha- he hasn't had those kind of grapple moments because Jimmy has had some of those sometimes where he makes the boneheaded play oh, yeah. under, you know, under dress or whatever, and you're like, oh. That's the one play he couldn't make. And even in some of those games in the past against Seattle, he made those, right? Where you're like, oh, they're going to beat Seattle. And then we had this one interception in the third quarter. It was the one bad ball, the one you couldn't make. So Purdy hasn't been pressed to that point yet. And look, he's not going to be uh, 100-0 as a starter in his career. It's coming, <laughs> right? You're going to have an off game, and we shouldn't overreact when it comes. But so far, he really hasn't shown the cracks, you know, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions in his starts, 8.9 yards per attempt, 109 pass rating. 20% of his pass attempts are explosive gains, which is a really high. If you're around that, if you're around 20% for a season, you're going to be, that's can be MVPs can be in that, in that range. So, you know, I wish I could say, uh, well, I don't wish I could say, I mean, I, I thought I would be able to say that there's some limiting fatal flaw, um, you know, but, but I just, I don't know that anyone's seen that. It looks pretty good. It's pretty seamless. I appreciate it, hearing
2: you say that Mike, because I'm on the same page. We said it earlier when we were recording a little bit ago, I seen anything where, you know, people say, well, just wait. Like they're talking about Pete Carroll gets to see Brock Purdy for the second time. And in my head, I'm like, yeah. why does it matter? He's not doing yeah. anything that yeah. you could be like, if we take this away, then, then, then we'll be good. Right. He's yeah. If you take the yeah, middle, he'll take yeah. outside, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's I'll say impressive.
1: this though. I'll say this though, like about four or five games into the season on Geno Smith, I was asked these questions. And I, and my answer was, you know, I'm not seeing anything that makes us look like a fluke. Like he, mm-hmm. he's accurate. He's poised in the pocket. But the one thing I did say was, you know, over the course of a 17 game season, it's harder. You know, this is somebody who's sure. been a backup and to do this, to let people really get a lot of film on you, it doesn't mean that you're flawed or you're not a good player. It just does get a little bit harder over time. The, the more exposures, the more okay, let's all look at Purdy. You know, all right, you we got our whole staff looks at him. Playoff game. Seattle knew that if they got if they won this game, so maybe they've really dug into Purdy to a level that you didn't do in week twelve, right? When you're coming off, maybe they looked at all of his college tape again. Maybe they just have a couple of things that that they think they can see now that uh leads to an interception in the third quarter, right? That that just happens to everybody. It's happened to Geno Smith. Yeah. It's looked a little harder for Geno as the season's gone. It doesn't mean he's done mm-hmm. bad. It's just, you know, that would probably be the thing that you're just not always going to average 8.9 yards per tent and have 11 to two touchdown interception. That's for nobody. Nobody's going to have that. So the evening out is coming sometime. It doesn't mean he's bad, but it could come. Right. Maybe not this week, but maybe this next week, right? It's going to happen sometime.
0: Mike, the Niners started this year, and it was a little frustrating because they had trouble scoring consistently. Over their first 11 games, they scored 249 points, 22.6 per. And then in the last six games, um, they scored 201 points, 33.5 per, and they scored 23 offensive touchdowns the last six games after just 27 in the first 11. So we know Purdy's been a difference when he's come in and done the quarterback position, but the addition of Christian McCaffrey has been so much to this team because, and the offense has run through him. What is it that he does that has just made everything gel for the Niners so well?
1: To me, what he did was make it not be a critical issue. When Debo Samuel went out of the lineup, that is the huge thing. It really gave them another pitch kind of like a pitcher, right? Sometimes uh, how many pitches you have really can matter, right? If one of your pitchers gets taken away or you're going against somebody uh, just to use that a bit of analogy. And I think that this just gave them a level of depth with another elite player. It's not like you're just plugging in anybody. This is a unique running back in the league. There's nobody really like him, right? He can catch a five yard pass and go 85 yards. He can run a option route. He, he can run a route in the red zone and, and, and beat you, uh, you know, beat he can beat play, run wide receiver routes. So he's a, He's a Swiss Army knife, unique unique player. He's kind of like a Marshall Falk being added to your team. So you know when if people would ask, hey, what's the difference of adding Marshall Falk? Well, he's a Hall of Famer. That's what Christian McCaffrey, if, if he can have that kind of longevity in play, he's a Hall of Fame type of talent. So that's what he adds. But I think for this offense that uses, you know, receivers as running backs, running backs as receivers is moving people around and asking things them to do, you know, exploiting their versatility, it's a huge protection against Debo to me. I think the, losing Debo Samuel could have been a really big deal to this team. And instead, it let him explore Christian McCaffrey, who's better in some ways, right? Can do th- some of those things even better. So that's what it is. It was a great pickup, a really good pickup for this team.
2: Is Scott Fitterer persona non grata in the NFC now? Because he traded Christian McCaffrey <laughs> to the 49ers. <laughs> I really hadn't thought of that. Yeah,
1: I really hadn't thought of that. Yeah, no, that that uh, it was a, it's interesting because th- think of this. The Rams ran on that. Would would uh, Sean McVeigh be waffling on possibly stepping away from mm-hmm. the game if they got Christian McCaffrey? This sounds like a good note for my column. I'm going to write this. Yeah. 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 We're, <laughs> we're here to help. Yeah. Here to that's now. Help. right. That's the, uh, right. No one's, uh, <laughs> you know, no, uh, that's a good idea. I think that's a doors. That's Sliding a, doors. A, that's a what if sort of a thing, right? Yeah. What if the Rams gotten him and the 49ers didn't, and the 49ers le- lose Debo, and then let's just say, purdy's three and two i don't know if it would be that dramatic of a difference i'm just making it I up think it would. I yeah, what if, think what it if was. they were three yeah. and two and he has six touchdown passes with five interceptions and now we're saying hey do you think they can get jimmy back right isn't that weird i mean yeah. i don't know that, yeah. that that may be unfair to brock purdy and the rest of the team because uh, uh but but i think when you add that type of a player too it tells your locker room what you're doing Hey, we're we're all in. We're doing this. We're going for and it. So when you yes. lose Jimmy, and everyone had tears in their eyes the next day, you know they they uh, they had some other stuff.
2: Mike, as a as a as a now a Seattle resident, right? You grew up in the Sacramento area. Yeah, you I live, live in, the, in the Seattle area. area. Uh, do you have a pulse on or, or a read on uh, how the Seahawks fan base is uh, is feeling about this matchup?
1: Well, I don't think they're feeling really good about it. You know, I, I don't know how you could. I, I think Seattle has had a successful season already based on what they did, trading Russell Wilson to have him not play well. And then you have a winning record. I said this season would be a success if they just beat their, over, their Vegas total, which was five and a half wins or something. But yeah. to have a winning record was like a Sunday. And then cherry on top is make the playoffs on top of it. I mean, that just lets... This may get Pete Carroll into the Hall of Fame eventually. You know, the, the, if, if he can have yes. a second act here and to have won that trade, we'll see. Maybe Russell Wilson comes back and leads them. But, you know, this is a pretty awesome thing that has happened. They're just not equipped to deal with the 49ers. Uh, they're, they're not good enough. And I think that's been apparent in both games. The first game probably – You know, I think Seattle was being a little more conservative because they didn't know what they had in Geno Smith a little bit. I think they got a little more aggressive after that. But even in the second game, it was 21-13. to It felt like it was 41-13. to I don't know how. Didn't it just feel like they were choking them out, but somehow the score was close, you know? And so there is that chance that Pete Carroll plays that type of game. You know, Seattle has had some success at times on special teams, right, against the 49ers, so... I do think there's a chance that, uh, you know, Seattle keeps it closer. But we, when I did the picks on our Football GM podcast, I I took the 49ers and gave the points. I, I just feel like Seattle's a little bit on fumes coming in uh, at this stage, and I'd be pretty surprised if they, uh, you know, had the upper hand.
0: Mike, what's your final four prediction, AFC, NFC championship games?
1: Ah, that's a great one. Well, I guess I should have uh, had that had that in front of me, but I'm going to look at the <laughs> – I'm going to look at this thing. I, I really do like Cincinnati. I, I think too, like Cincinnati with no. Burrow and Chase. And then I think their defense is good. I think it's well-schemed. I think they've got some pass rushers. Uh, they're a team Big that really, yeah, I really – yeah, exactly. Lou Anarumo's done a great job there. That was a hire yeah. that at the time people weren't like, oh, they got Lou Anarumo. And he's just proved at every turn mm-hmm. uh, that he's been excellent. So uh, in the NFC, I like the 49ers. Uh, I do, I, I, you know, we'll see if Philly can pull it all together, but I just like, I like San Francisco all the way through and, and, and sort of, it doesn't feel like the health is a little better for them. Uh, yeah. You know, and they're in the right direction. Knock on wood. They, this weekend, you know, they don't need to yeah. lose three guys. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I feel really good about them and, and but I feel better about them than anyone in the NFC. So uh hundred percent. Yeah. I feel good about that with, you know, I think Philly, We'll see. I think if Jalen Hurts were to come back and just look great, which was a little shaky the last game, but I don't know. I think they're so reliant on him, Where I think the 49ers don't feel as reliant on their quarterback uh, yeah. uh, to me. In, in the Agreed. AFC, I, I, do, I do think I like Cincinnati uh, uh, to, to come out of there. Um, you know, Buffalo's obviously going to be riding a wave of, of emotion, but mm. um, you know, I think losing Von Miller is a big deal for them. Yeah, I think that yeah. was a gr- that he was their it. McCaffrey addition.
0: Yeah, if they had
1: him, I'd feel a little bit better about it, but I don't know. I think that could hurt him. Uh, I all before the season, I think I picked Kansas City in the Super Bowl because I trust, I trust Reed and Mahomes as a great tandem, even without Tyreek Hill. Their defense has been a little better lately, so I am not ruling them out. Um, I, I do like Kansas City, but they've had a few hiccups on their special teams. I think their defense is okay, but you know, not a driving force. I think Cincinnati feels a little bit more complete, more complete, a little bit more complete. And I I love the edge that they've got. Like Burrow's got this edge to him. I love the Burrow thing where they're asking about the window championship window. He's like, it's as long as I'm here, yeah. Like there's not I a like lot of guys who could pull that off. Yeah. Like uh, I just like them, you know. I just kind of like where they're at, and I I thought they were gonna maybe fall off this year as the Super Bowl loser. I wasn't all in, and still am not really on on their offensive line changes. Burrow's taking a lot of sacks, so mm-hmm. you know I'm not running the bank with it. That's just kind of the team that I have my eye on. Like and I'm it. like
0: be- before we let before we let you go, I do I do want to tell you that I that we're talking face to face here. So, but I started doing this. I don't know, eight or nine years ago, maybe when I first started writing, I I reached out to I don't know how many writers for advice Uh and hey, Uh how do I get started? What do I do? Two people got back to me. It was you and Pete Prisco. And I always want to thank you face to face for that. It was awesome. It was a huge help when I got started. And we've talked here and there, you know, ever since then. Um, but I thought our listeners, you know, should know that about you. That I just, I've always really appreciated that.
1: Well, Thank I appreciate, you, yeah, you know, as, as painful and damaging as it is to be lumped in with Prisco. I mean, that is a tough <laughs> plan, <to be> <laughs> in with Pete. I'm saying that because I know that, Prisco. Um, that's great. I'm glad I replied. I, I, d- how did you reach out to me? Because I'm looking in my email. I don't have one from way back. I think
0: I think I Facebooked you if I remember right. Like oh, I follow, used to yeah. follow you on Facebook, and I sent you a message that this guy's going to think I'm a lunatic. And you got back to me, and we had kind of, you know, here and there, you know, well catch up or whatever. And like, you've been helpful to me over the years. And I, I appreciate it. Oh, that, that is awesome. not a lot of people would just do that. You know, I was a total rando, you know what I mean? So yeah, that is great. In fact, that just makes
1: me want to look, I'm going to look and just see. Yeah. It was I years. Had. I mean, it might've been
0: 10 years ago, like nine yeah, years yeah, ago. However yeah. long Back
1: it was, then but... I was covering NFC West uh, for ESPN. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah, ESPN uh, yeah. And I, at that time, I, I think my, yeah, we, we were putting stuff on Facebook and trying to, you, you know, uh, re- expand the audience and all of that and i've always enjoyed that i when i was doing especially when i was doing kind of a blog type of stuff like we were doing then at the nfc west or before that seahawks i really loved that instant feedback and interaction so glad i got back to you and and glad you're doing what you're doing i really enjoyed the discussion uh this was a great discussion it's one of the better ones i've had so really appreciate having me on appreciate it Mike. Uh, thank it, you so much
2: it's it's been
0: an honor mike thank you so much Hey,
1: thanks. appreciate it enjoy the game this weekend you thank you we care. will have a good one Okay.